Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast with Nicola Canton. Today we're talking about mentorship in your music studio. Hey there, beautiful teachers. Today I want to talk to you about something that I avoided talking about for a little while on public channels like the podcast, the blog, or YouTube videos. And then I sort of hinted at here or there, but quickly moved on from, and now I'm finally ready to talk about it fully. And that is mentorship. Why would I have avoided that topic? What an odd thing to do. Well, the thing was, I started mentoring other teachers in my studio a few years ago now and at first I had no idea if it was going to crash and burn or if this was going to be a system that I kept with for the long term. Now that same may sound a little bit brash or cavalier to go into it with that mentality but really I had no way of knowing whether my hypothesis would work. So I waited to share any of these details with you until I was sure that I had systems and a process of mentoring newer teachers that really works. And I'm happy to say that I now do. This is now a permanent part of how I run my studio and I'm delighted to be able to bring it to you and to be able to run my studio like this. It means a lot to me that I've been able to make a program like this work. So we now have a course coming out about Uh, what I call the mentorship model. And this is not a model that is for everyone. But if it's for you, it's going to be a perfect fit. So it's all about how to grow your studio using mentorship as the basis for that, as the way that you bring on new teachers. As you know, this month we're talking about all the different types of studio growth. And so this is just one way to do it. It's the way I happen to have done it. But that doesn't mean it's the right way, and it definitely doesn't mean it's the right way for you, but it could be. So in this episode, what I want to do is just give you a sense of what I mean by mentorship and why I think it's so valuable for more of us to get into. Not all of us, but more of us and the different ways you could do that. So this started a few years ago. I had an overflowing wedding list, as many of you might do or might wish you do. Um depending on where you are in your journey. But that's where I was at. My waiting list was getting silly and I had no way of clearing it. And 
I want to first of all say that that's fine. Sometimes us teachers, we stress about things that really aren't a problem. So yes, there were these families on the waiting list. But no, I wasn't asking them to wait for me or encouraging them to do that. I was encouraging them to find another teacher. And ultimately, I don't have a responsibility to teach those students if I don't have the capacity to do so, right? I'm not saying this was weighing on me. It used to in the early days, but at this stage, it really wasn't. It wasn't like I was feeling guilty or bad about having these students on the waiting list and not being able to take them on. But I knew that there was the capacity there for maybe having other teachers work for me. At the same time, I knew that, at least for the time being, I don't want to run some massive music school. I've always been very, very careful and conscious about what I add into my working life or my life in general. And conscious of of imagining what that job is going to look like. Because within our businesses, we create a job for ourselves, right? We create a role. That's not the whole business. Your job is not your business. They're separate things, but you have a job within your business. Even if you're a one-person show, you have a job that you're doing. And if you're going to build a music school, you're changing what your job is. And it might evolve to the point where you don't like your job anymore. You've created a business that has a job for you, where you have to sit in a seat that you don't enjoy, that doesn't fulfill you professionally. So I've always been very careful about that. And for me, the idea of running a big, huge music school sounds terrible (laughs) in terms of what I enjoy and my personality and where I am with my life right now. I'm not saying this will never change. Maybe you'll talk to me in 10 years and I'll be running a school of 500. Our professional lives are ever-evolving things and never say never. But at least for now, I hate that idea. I think that sounds terrible for me. It might sound great to you and I want you to go after that dream if that's you. But I don't want a commercial premises. I like working from home. It suits me really well to have a home studio. I don't want that much separation, I guess, between my work and my life. That's part of that. I don't want a commute. I used to commute. (laughs) And it's not my favorite. (laughs) I don't think it's a fun way to spend my time. I used it for exercise time. I used to cycle. But really, I would prefer to do other exercise and not cycle in the rain. Remember I live in Ireland? Yeah, it's constant rain. So cycling is not the most fun way to spend my time in my opinion. And I don't like the idea of becoming essentially a principal, right? Or a school leader. That job doesn't look enjoyable to me (laughs) in a regular school or in a music school. And it would be essentially like that if you had a massive school. So I never wanted to do that. But I was looking at this waiting list and I had another motivation besides that. That on its own wouldn't have been enough. But the position I was in, I wanted to have a bigger impact locally. I love the work that I do globally, and I still find it amazing and pinch myself that I'm saying that I'm having some kind of an impact on music teaching globally. I think that is astounding, and it is largely up to all of you, the community out there that we've brought together, and I just love it. But I don't feel that where I live. 
I feel like, and I'm sure this is not, this is a distortion based on the fact that globally, online, I can see little pockets from all over the world, right? And locally, you can only see the people right beside you. So it's a very different viewpoint. So you may feel exactly the same living in Arkansas or South Africa or anywhere. But I feel like I haven't found teachers around me anywhere nearby that even improvise at all, really. I mean, I mean, locally, locally, right? I, I know Irish teachers that do, wonderful Irish teachers who are moving in this direction as well. But I don't know a ton of teachers anywhere near me in South Dublin that include improv, that thinks that exams are not the be-all and end-all, that think that it's irresponsible as a teacher to just do exams because it's easier. And I have heard that from people at events. Not to name names, I couldn't name names, I don't know them. But I have overheard these conversations where people are saying, yeah, but it's just easier to put them through exams. So that's what I feel like I'm surrounded by. And that was my real mission, I guess, with setting up this mentorship program was, I feel like I'm making a difference outside of my locality. In some small way, I'm contributing to this change. But I didn't feel like I was doing it here. And I didn't feel like we have momentum here. So I did what I could. I decided, okay, I'm not usually one for putting things out into the universe and seeing whether that works. But in this case, I decided, I don't know if this is the right time, but I'm just going to try. So I put out an ad, like a job ad on Gumtree, just one post. I said, I'm going to do one post on one site, chose Gumtree, and which is like Craigslist, but not uh, sleazy, if you're American. Um, so I put out this post and just described what I wanted to do and said to myself, if people apply, great. If they don't, now is not the time. But people did apply. And I got several really good applications, ended up taking someone on. And then ended up taking a second person on. And so I had two mentees and they started traveling to student homes to teach them there. And we had these weekly meetings. This is where I started with this. And this is where I've gone long term as well. I wanted a system where we were planning the lessons together. I really see this as being like an apprenticeship or a traineeship that you would do if you want to do a trade or a craft. Because I feel like teaching is a craft. It's something you learn by doing it. Not only by doing it, you can read books, you can do courses, and I want my teachers to do all of those things as well. But there's a certain amount that you have to learn on the job. And many of us, including myself, learned on the job with no guidance. Because there's nothing in between. There's a college degree, or there's just go out and put some signs around the neighborhood and give it a go. And I don't feel like either of those routes fully equips you to deal with all the things that come up with students because things come up all the time that aren't foreseen or nobody could put in a book. So I wanted a system where I saw the teachers every week and we lesson planned together and we tweaked based on what their students were experiencing or they were doing in their lessons and improved upon it from there. 
And it turns out my instinct was pretty much right. Now, the evolution that I've made over time is I've gone from doing a, a meeting with each teacher individually to doing one slightly longer group meeting with all, all the teachers. I mean, it's only two or three at a time, but all the teachers who are working that given year so that we they can learn from each other as well and all of the students um, in the studio. I mostly brought that in because some teachers have only a few students and I wanted them to get a broader experience even though they only had a few students at a time if they were still in college or that kind of thing. So that's my model. That's the way I do things. And I go into all the details of how I mentor these teachers in the new course, which is inside Vibrant Music Teaching, of course, um, so if you're a member, you can find it in the training library or the course library. If you're not a member, you can sign up at vmt.ninja. But that's my model. And you can go through the course and implement it yourself exactly as is, or you can go through the course and tweak it to suit you. I don't think there's only one way to do th this, and I don't think there's only one um, way to define mentorship. This is the way I have implemented it in my studio, right? But I think, I hope what's coming across is the goal behind it, the intent behind it, because that's what I feel is important. I really want us to see this as passing on teaching to other teachers. It's the best form of the whispers game, right? We're passing it on and yet the message is actually getting relayed correctly. The intent behind it is getting relayed and then teachers are taking it and doing it in their own way. And my dream is that these teachers that I'm teaching now, it's only been a few years, so this hasn't happened yet, but maybe they'll go and start their own competition for me in the area and they'll take on their own teachers or they'll at least tell other friends who are starting to teach about different approaches or ideas. I want them to spread these things, right? One of my teachers previously was working in another studio. He's not anymore, but... He was working in another school and he was bringing our games over there and using them with those students. And I love that. I have no protectiveness over our approach. I want it to spread. Not so everyone does things exactly like me, but so that we move things forward and we don't just do things because they're the way, it's the way it's always been done. So that's what I mean by mentorship and that's why I chose it for my studio. It's number one about allowing more students to experience creative and fun music learning because I didn't have anyone to refer these waiting list students to. It's number two about having an impact locally on the music teaching industry, on music teachers nearby. And it's number three about taking on more students from the waiting list. But it is in that order for me. If your number one thing is expanding and taking on lots of students from the waiting list, then I don't think this is for you. I think a, a more traditional school expansion, studio expansion, hiring other teachers who are already competent or not that these teachers aren't competent, but are already confident is what I should say, is a better fit for you probably, right? But if that sounds like the right fit for you, then maybe this is the way you want to expand too. The downsides of mentorship for you is that it's an investment of your time. So I don't want to sugarcoat that. This is another thing that I added to my week, but I added it with intention. Like I say, I always imagine the job I'm creating for myself. So I did that here and I was happy to add on this little bit extra of extroversion of 
managing other people and all that kind of stuff. And the studio, the student admin that comes with that. I was happy to add that on for the payoff, which for me is that impact and spreading just joyful music making. The downside for the teacher, I try to make very clear to them at the interview, which might sound odd, but I try to impress upon them that this is not the best way for them to make money. Now, don't get me wrong, I pay my teachers and I pay them fairly. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, pay bottom of the market prices to teachers or anything like that. But they could make more elsewhere. Because they could go out on their own and get their own students and they can definitely charge more than I'm going to pay them. The upside, of course, is that I handle all the admin and they get the training. And I try to emphasize that as much as that I can because I feel that gets me the best candidates, the best um, teachers who really are in this because they're frustrated with their teaching or with the approach that they had as a student and they want to do things differently and that's why they're there. And then, yes, of course, they will get paid fairly. So let's think about this impact. You could take on regular employees who completely do their own thing. You could have independent contractors who sublet space from you. Or you could take on mentees. Or there's a whole gradient in between. But there's also other ways to do mentorship uh, that are less involved and less investment from you. And I want you to consider those too as we talk about this impact. So the question I want you to think about is, do you want to build a bit bigger business or have a greater legacy? You can do both those things in different ways. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to build a big business. I have those ambitions in other areas, right? But for me, this part of my business is about legacy. It's about spreading a certain way of approaching music and education. But whether you take on long-term trainees like me, or create a more casual mentor-mentee relationship, or get involved in local music teacher associations to mentor younger teachers that way, and maybe just, you know, WhatsApp message them or have a coffee once a month, I hope you'll consider reaching beyond your studio in some way. Because you're here. You're on the bus, as my friend from the Curious Piano Teachers would say. That's a Sharon phrase. You're on the bus. So you're already participating in professional development. You're doing it. Let's get more people on the bus in whatever way you're able to do that. Your one thing this week is to think about what kind of mentorship you could participate in. Can you reach out to local college graduates? Can you start a program just like mine? Find a way of nurturing the next generation of teachers that works in your life with your goals. I would love to hear what kind of a mentor you had, if you were lucky enough to have one as a young teacher, or wish you had, or what kind of a mentor you want to be when you're in a position to do that. Let me know in the comments under this episode. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. If 
you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Vibrant Music Teaching Membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.